0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Father, we do need your help this morning as we come to your word. We would ask for your help both to understand, but also to have our hearts transformed, that we, even this morning, may be matured in Christ. And we ask that we would leave here this morning and live lives that are different Because of your word, and we and so we need your help. We ask for it uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Some time ago, my parents encouraged me to realise that the time had come for me to clear out my old junk from their loft. And um, as I was uh, wading through all kinds of random things, I came across at one point a journal I had kept from a family holiday when I was ten. And it was fascinating to flick through this old journal and to get a snapshot of how 10-year-old me thought and observed the world. And you can tell a lot from what matters to a person by what they write down in their journals and what they talk about. And so for 10-year-old me, I was, um, well, I was more factual than um, emotionally engaged. Uh, I talked about um, beaches being fun and museums being boring and um, the food we ate and the weather. And two key words that seem to come up again and again, which was the make or break of any day, ice cream. My point is that you can tell a lot about a person from their journal or their diary. What they talk about written down is what they care about most, what they spend their time doing. It points to what matters to them. This morning, we are dipping into Colossians, and particularly chapter 1 and before us, I think, is basically a a journal from a day in the life of Paul. And he describes this journal to us partly because he wants to show us what matters to him, but also because he wants us to copy him. He wants the journal of our life, what we care about and live for, to increasingly match his journal to follow him as he follows Christ. And on this Sunday, as we think particularly about small groups, my hope is that we would come away from this morning excited, not so much about the practicalities of coming out on a Wednesday evening at 7.45 to spend 90 minutes with 10 other people, but rather excited about the things that Paul is excited about excited about his vision for for people and for the body of Christ and so willing to spend our time and energy in the ways that Paul spent his time and energy. Well, let's dive into Paul's journal and I want us to notice three things about what matters most to Paul. First of all, our maturity in Christ really matters. Look at uh, Colossians 1 verse 28. Paul says, We... Proclaim him, that is Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Uh, the word uh, "there perfect" can also mean mature, mature in Christ. So, uh, so think of a of a parent with a, a young child who's learning to walk. And um, there's a few weeks just before they're able to walk when they're not quite ready to walk and they sort of, so they stand up and they cling on to some sort of support, a sofa leg or a human leg or, or anything just to give them the extra bit of stability. But, but then the moment comes when they, they head off and they leave the support of the sofa and they launch into the room and they take their first few steps. And for a parent watching their child take their first steps, it's remarkable, it's a wonderful moment. Now, of course, those first few steps They're going to be wobbly. There's going to be sort of arms flailing around as they step forward, and there may well be a tumble at the end of it. But for a parent, you're thrilled because you see their child growing up. Oh, they're not finished yet, and of course, by the time they're 18, you hope they don't sort of walk in the same way. But they're making progress, they're maturing, they're growing. And what is true for parents and children is true for the Apostle Paul and his dear Colossian readers. He wants them to mature in Christ. Oh, they are Christians. He can write with huge joy back in chapter 1 about their love, hope, and faith. In fact, the gospel is bearing wonderful fruit in their lives. They're well underway. But he's not content. He wants them to go on maturing in Christ. In verse 28, Paul has in mind that moment when Christ will return and the Colossians, and indeed everyone, stands before Jesus, the truly perfect one, the truly mature one. And in that moment, Paul wants his flock to be found ready, perfect, mature. You see, our maturity in Christ really matters. In fact, look at how much it matters to Paul, verse 29. It is to this end, Paul says, that I labor, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. Last week, Lorna and I hired a, a camper van and went on holiday to the north of Scotland. And at various points, we found ourselves smugly sipping hot tea in our warm camper van and looking out the window at some campers trying to wrestle a tent in a strong wind. And if you've ever seen someone putting up a tent in strong wind, it's desperate to watch, isn't it? You know, it? was a large tent in this case, and you get one corner kind of up, and then as you go to the next corner, the wind blows down the first corner, and you're, you're bending down a hammer and the guy ropes, and then the poles fall down, and there's lots of sweat and tears and flapping in the wind, wrestling to get this thing up. But of course, you keep on going, because if you're a camper, it's night's coming. And it's the one place you have to sleep. And so you carry on getting this thing up. Eventually, with all the tears and toil, it's there. It's up. And I, I have in my mind a sort of similar picture of Paul in verse 29. He is urgently, restlessly laboring away. And it's messy. It's, it's one step forward, two steps back. There's sweat dripping from his brow. Uh, why not just sit back and relax, Paul? Because Christ is coming. And he wants the Colossians to be found ready, to have grown up, to be fully mature when he does. Of course, no one will be perfect, not this side of glory. It is only when we see Christ face to face that the process of becoming mature will be complete. And yet, Paul is still very willing to give himself, to exhaust himself, to make as many people as mature as possible until that day comes. Because... Our maturity in Christ really matters. I wonder how Paul's journal compares with ours. I'm sure our diaries are packed full of all kinds of things. I'm sure we're busy people. That's the way life is, isn't it? But I do wonder if we are busy with the right things. Can we see Paul's priority for people, their maturity etched into our diaries and shaping how we spend our time? It's why we have today a focus on small groups, because in the busy world we live in, it's so easy to let our priorities slip, to become confused with things that actually don't matter very much at the expense of things that matter a very great deal. In Colossians 3, Paul paints a a picture of what a maturing people looks like, and it is a beautiful picture. He talks about a people who are clothed in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. A people who love. A people who are quick to forgive. A people where there's no gossip or backstabbing. There's no short tempers or or white lies. A people of purity. It's a brilliant picture. And that is the kind of picture Paul is laboring for. Maturity in Christ. And he would say to his readers and to us today, Come and join me in this Pursuits of, of laboring for the sake of others that they might increasingly become the people God would have us to be, mature in Christ. So my hope this morning as we leave is not that we'd be excited, as I said, particularly about the thought of leaving the house at 7.45 one wet Wednesday evening because Pete says we should or because uh, through some kind of guilt we think we have to, but rather because we all believe our maturity in Christ really matters I think it would change when we come to small group, perhaps not occasionally, but as often as humanly possible, desperate to be there because maturity matters. It would change why we come. If we find ourselves in a group full of people who need our help, rather than in a group full of people who want to help us, might it be that the Lord will use what will be a challenging context to actually mature us and with the Bible open, to teach us how to serve others, to love others, to sacrifice our time and energy for the sake of others. Our maturity in Christ really matters. That's our first observation from Paul's journal. You might be saying, hang on a minute, uh, Paul hasn't mentioned small groups once. So why are we saying that small groups matter so much when it comes to our maturity? Well, our next point is this. God's word about Christ brings maturity. I love Paul's logic here. Uh, just come with me and see how he unpacks this for us. Look at verse 24. Paul says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. Uh, this is remarkable. Paul is saying that he is willing to suffer even as much as Christ suffered for the sake of the church. That's the point of verse 24. Why? Verse 25, Paul has been commissioned as a servant to present to you the word of God in all its fullness. What does Paul mean by the word of God? Well, verse 26, he talks of a mystery, something that had been hidden but is now revealed. Verse 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. The mystery Paul is talking about is that for everyone, Jew and Gentile, together they are able to share this remarkable hope that Christ will come and dwell in them. And as Christ comes and dwells in them, he brings all the wonderful blessings of the gospel forgiveness from our sins, a relationship with God. Confidence about the future. That this glorious relationship Paul talks about is for everyone. That's the mystery that's been revealed. Christ in everyone. Jew and Gentile. And that is the word that Paul is proclaiming. The word of God, the message about Christ. God's word about Christ brings maturity. Verse 28. It is as Paul proclaims, admonishes, teaches. So the Colossians become mature in Christ. There's a wonderful sense of sufficiency about God's word here. Why is Paul willing to suffer as much as Christ or willing to labor and toil? Because he knows that it is exactly what is required. The ministry of God's word amongst God's people is sufficient. Nothing else will do, nothing else is needed when it comes to our maturity in Christ. God's word about Christ brings maturity Do you notice verse 28, Paul talks about three different ways in which he brings God's word to bear to God's people. He says in verse 28, uh, we proclaim him. It's the kind of word that you imagine Paul using when he's in a synagogue or a town center with lots of crowds. He kind of holds forth in public about who Christ is to lots of people. But notice also that he talks about admonishing and teaching. Admonishing is is more a sense of, of warning or cautioning people. You can imagine him not just in a synagogue, but you can imagine him in someone's home with a family. He knows them well enough to realize that there's a danger of error creeping in. And he might say to the father, just be careful. Be a compassionate father. Be kind and gentle with your children. I've just noticed that you're beginning to lose your temper with them. That's admonishing. He might say to the children, I've just noticed you struggle to forgive each other when you fight, remember christ has forgiven you make sure you forgive one another he he he's admonishing the family with christ and i think it takes a certain amount of knowledge not just from the front in a large crowd but 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 individual relationships to know how to admonish the idea of teaching is instructing people and helping them to grow. And again, I think this will be, will be done in lots of context, yes, from the front, but you can imagine them going around from door to door in, in small groups and families teaching about Christ, helping them to join the dots about who He is for anyone and anywhere. And I take it that our example should copy the example of Paul. God's word about Christ brings maturity, which means that we should be a church family where we proclaim Christ, and I think we do that on a Sunday, week by week, we try to make sure we do. But I take it that it's not just about the proclamation of Christ from the front that Paul's talking about. He would have God's word at work amongst us in lots of different ways the admonishing and teaching part of it, which means that our time together this morning doesn't finish at the end of the final hymn, it goes on through coffee next door. As we talk to one another, we can actually bring God's word to bear with each other. I I imagine throughout the week that um, there could be phone calls. There could be coffees. There could be dog walks where we talk about Christ together and we sort of do this work for one another. But I also imagine it includes small groups. Now, small groups, it's a human pattern. But I think based on this biblical principle, That God's word about Christ brings maturity and that we should be about God's word in lots of different contexts. It seems to be the obvious application that small groups, a brilliant way for us and a regular way to get to know people well enough to teach and admonish each other with Christ. It might not feel very glamorous. In fact, my small groups have never felt glamorous. Uh, They often feel hard work. Uh, People are tired after a long day. Application can be a battle. It can be hard to see change in our hearts and other people's lives. And that is why I find Paul's example so encouraging. Even the great apostle Paul found his ministry hard work. He had a labor and toil. This business of change doesn't come easily. Bringing God's word to bear to people's lives is not easy. And yet he labors because he knows it's worth it. Well, just in case we think that this kind of ministry is for people like Paul, you know, apostles, or for a few keen beans at the front of our gatherings, here's my final point. We all have a role to play. I say this because of our second reading, Colossians 3, over the page. So do flick forward to Colossians chapter 3. And if you would, turn down to verse 16. I'm going to read this verse and just listen out for familiar words that we've already heard this morning. Verse 16. Paul writes to the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Does it sound familiar? Uh, The word of Christ in verse 16, well, that's what Paul's been talking about in chapter one. It's the message he proclaims. But then look who's doing the actions Paul says, you admonish, you teach. Exactly the same words that he was using of himself back in chapter one. You see, it's not just Paul who's meant to go around bringing God's word to bear to each other's lives. It's each one of us. We all have a role to play with God's word in each other's lives for maturity. Now you'll notice that um, verse 16 continues talking about how we sing together. And there may well be a link between our our corporate singing and how we bring God's word to bear in each other's lives, um, that that could well, well be a good connection to make. But don't miss the main point I think Paul is making. It's not just Paul the Apostle who has the responsibility of word ministry. It's every one of us. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it, that as Christ's word dwells in our hearts, As the word grips us and occupies our hearts, so increasingly the words that we speak out of our mouths will be full of wisdom. Not our wisdom, but the wisdom of Christ. Able to admonish and teach others. Amazing thought, isn't it? We all have a role to play. The body of Christ grows as we all play our role of teaching and admonishing with the word of Christ. In our small groups, as people get to know each other, as we get to know them, It's a great opportunity for this mutual encouragement and growth. Let me just give you kind of a picture in my mind of how this works. Um, Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 13 that we are to forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, I stand here looking out um, to a large room of people, and I can't tell from this position. I haven't got sort of x-ray vision. I can't tell whether some of you are struggling with this issue of forgiveness this morning. Um, You're welcome to come and talk to me afterwards. That'd be great. I'm very happy to talk further. But um, actually, I couldn't talk to all of you because there's loads of you. And um, if it was just me asking you about forgiveness, we'd be here a very long time, and it wouldn't go very well. But I imagine in our small groups, over the course of a number of years, we get to know people well enough to maybe find out that there's a particular relationship in their life where they've really, really struggled to bring forgiveness to bear. It's a real battle. And what a wonderful thing it would be for another person in the small group just to come alongside with Colossians 3 verse 13 open and over a course of time just dwell on the the enormous fact that God has forgiven us our sins in Christ. He has come and found us. Rebels who deserve nothing and graciously, wonderfully, he has in an unprovoked way extended this offer of forgiveness to the death of his son that we might be cleansed and forgiven once and for all. Amazing grace. And hearing another Christian vocalize this forgiveness helps us to believe it, to understand it, and to be held accountable to it. You can imagine two Christians together with this issue over months, perhaps years, Allowing the word of Christ to admonish and teach one another. We all have a role to play. Imagine as we 10 of us meet in a small group opening the Bible, we can speak into each other's lives like that. Honestly, trusting one another openly. And so it's a beautiful picture, I think. Paul, with his diary journal, kind of urgently laboring for maturity, but sort of beckoning others, come and join me in this great task. Because Christ is coming back, let's be found mature in him before he does so. Now before I finish, our time is almost up, I can imagine a few people here this morning, uh, I hope agreeing with what Colossians 1 and 3 says about uh, our growth in Christ, but then wondering this very good question. If our relationships matter so much to our maturity in Christ, why are we going to reshape our small groups? You know, It sort of feels like we've just got a good thing going after three years, really trust each other, know each other, and then we're going to stop the relationships and start again with new people. Doesn't that kind of cut against the logic of Colossians 1 and 3? I can imagine some people thinking that. Uh, it's a great question. I don't mind uh, telling you that for the last 12 months, I've, I've wrestled with this kind of question because I've been thinking, do we reshape the groups this year? I haven't come to this decision lightly. It's not an easy one. Trying to think through what is best for our church family. The goal is maturity in Christ. We do it through God's word. What is the best way to bring about the maturity? You see, God's word gives us the, the goal and the method, but, but not the outworking. And uh, we're free in some ways to think through what, what's the best way in our context to see this happen. So i wrestled but um, let me share with you one or two thoughts that I've come to, to think, um, which have led me to think it's good for us to carry on reshaping as we are um, this week. Again, these are not um, commands from the Bible. They're just human wisdom. But I think based on good application. Notice uh, Paul's concern for everyone. Back in Colossians uh, 1.28, three times he talks about everyone. Uh, we actually miss one of them in our translations, but he says he teaches um, everyone. He also admonishes everyone, so that he might present everyone perfect in Christ. You see, Paul isn't content with just a few of the Christians becoming mature, but actually a loads of the church family not growing, or some people in a town, but not others. He wants everyone to grow up in Christ. And I take it that we should have the same scope to our vision. That we want everyone here at Fullwood to grow equally in Christ. Now I think it's just possible that, that for some people, and I've experienced this myself, that we've been in a great group and it's been wonderful. We've had wonderful fellowship and the Bible study has been honest and transparent and we really challenge one another. And it's been a wonderful group. We've grown. And when someone says, right, the group's going to come to an end, we say, no, it's, it, <laughs> what a waste. But the reality is in a church this size, and I don't know why, but lots of groups don't always work that well. For every group that works really well, there'll be others where it's just is hard. It's not the fault of the leader. It's not the fault of the group. But this side of glory, there's always mixes of people where it's just not as easy. The Bible study is harder work. It's harder to be um, open and honest with one another. We don't see the same kind of growth. Um, and so uh, I, um, about five months ago, I asked... Um, uh, our small group leaders, what they felt about, the timings of reshaping. And I said, come and let me know. Do you think three years is right? Should we make it shorter, longer? Come and give me your feedback. And I got a whole range of answers. Some said three years is t- it's too short. We need longer to keep developing relationships. Some said three years is too long. Our group's been really difficult. We-, we need a change. It's been so hard. Others said, you know, it's been about right. Enough time to get to know one another, but it's good to have a change. I guess my point is that when we think of everyone in the church family, we're all in different positions. We have different experiences. And I know some groups are working really well, and the thought of losing that will be hard. But others aren't. I'm not blaming anyone. It's just the way it works. And if we have this perspective from Paul, we want everyone to mature in Christ, I think we'd be willing to forego some of our own particular benefits for the sake of others. Certainly newcomers, when they arrive, and we have lots of them coming every year, It is hard to break into a group if it's been running for 10, 15 years. We feel very out of it. The other thing I would say is that, and I need to be careful here, long-standing friendships are not always the ones that lead to greatest growth. Oh, they can do. Don't mishear me. And I certainly hope that at the end of this current reshaping, you'll stay in touch with friends you've made from your previous groups. Absolutely. Absolutely. But actually, our growth depends on God's word being brought to bear to our lives, not on a particular relationship or a particular person. And there is a danger that, over time, our relationships and our groups can develop um, blind spots or there's certain habits and styles that we just get used to and we don't challenge anymore. Uh, we see this with, um, with our families. It was interesting, when Lauren and I got married um, almost eight years ago now, we, we thought our families were relatively normal And then when we brought someone new into the family, they started noticing all kinds of things that we did. They thought, well, why do you do that? Why do you make the tea that way? Why do you eat dinner that way? Why do you get up at that time of day? Why? It just seems strange. Because a fresh perspective actually uh, exposes blind spots. And actually, I think when it comes to our maturing in Christ, having fresh voices willing to lovingly, carefully admonish us can actually be very good for our maturing in Christ don't mishear me. I'm not saying that old friends don't have a role to play, but I think new friends have a role to play as well. Well, look, our time is up. I imagine some of us will be daunted about the changes coming up to our small groups. That's understandable. Uh, as I said, I, I feel daunted myself about some of the changes coming and the, th- the things to think through. But I do hope that we are excited this morning about Paul's ministry diary, about his vision for the people of God, their growth to maturity. And it is a glorious ministry. When that day comes and we stand before Christ and we behold his glory fully face to face, I take it that every effort we make now in the present, all the laboring, the the inconvenience for the sake of others, I take it we will know then that it was more than worth it. It's what keeps me going in many ways in ministry now. And may we be a church family who are willing to exhaust ourselves for the sake of others that we might present as many people as possible as mature as possible on the day Christ returns. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful, glorious mystery of of Christ coming to dwell in Jew and Gentile, the wonderful news of the gospel for all people, the gospel that brings forgiveness and life and hope and so, Father, we do pray you help us to cling on to that message about Christ, to live by it, to believe it, to allow it to be at work amongst us, maturing us until Christ returns. Please help us to be willing to labor and toil for the sake of others with this wonderful message about Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.